Don't ever doubt me. I was right in 2020 on inflation, and I'm right now. What have I been saying? The Fed can't get this under control. And today, more proof of that with the producer price index coming out much higher than anybody had thought. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Trish Review Show. I am Trish. Portions of the show are brought to you today by Legacy Precious Metals. And guess what? This is the perfect day to have Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals, on because we're going to ask him all about gold right now, all about this spending, all about inflation. But first, let me give you the numbers here. Okay, so producer prices, they went up 0.5%. Now, you say, okay, it was just 0.5. That was in a month's time. Economists were looking for like 0.2, so they were way off, as I predicted they would be. Overall, the annual number shows a 6% increase in producer prices. Keep in mind that the Fed was kind of hoping for 2%, right? The Fed wants 2%. How are they going to get there? How are they going to get there when we have this persistently high inflation? Consumer prices just came out the other day, and consumer prices were up 6.4%. So producers are paying more for goods. If they sell to consumers, they have to pass the cost along. Consumers are paying more for goods. And the Fed's sitting there saying, oh, you know, we think we got this under control. I don't think so. Wall Street has gotten this totally wrong. I've said all along, watch out. Watch out because inflation is the story. You cannot print as much money or add as much as we have to our U.S. at $8 trillion just in the last two years. You can't do that without having some kind of consequence. It's really, truly amazing how wrong they have gotten this. But part of that has to do with how they look at the numbers. So way back in the early 80s, when Paul Volcker first came in to the Federal Reserve, taking over for Arthur Burns, the numbers that they used to adjust for inflation or to look at the overall inflation picture were very different than what they do now. And the reason for that is because their favorite metric for inflation which is known as the PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, well, that got changed way back when. And so we're looking at a CPE, or the Fed is today, that is totally different from the metric back in the 80s. And the reason is they took out real estate, they, they made these adjustments, and so consequently, it's not apples to apples. And so when we look at CPE today, and it came in the 5% range, different, by the way, than CPI or PPI, (laughs) when we look at CPE, we say, oh, it's 5%. No, 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 no. Because if you were to adjust the math and have the exact same measurement that you had years ago, guess what? You'd be way higher, maybe around 13 14%. And so if you don't do what the Fed did back then, and that was aggressive hikes, then you risk being in no man's land here with inflation continuing and continuing and continuing. And so at some point it becomes kind of really bad because with this much debt, 31 trillion and counting, and rates going up, you've got a problem. I mean, wow. Um, very, very different scenario than we've, than we've seen really in, in my almost my entire career covering markets. I mean, it was like they couldn't get inflation if they tried. And now, well, careful what you wish for, right? Anyway, I want to bring Charles Thorngren in. It's great to have him back on the show. 
I'm back with Charles Thorngren, CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. Hey, Charles, it's good to see you again. Oh, it's great to be back. It's nice to see you as well. You know, we've talked a lot over the last year and a half or so. By the way, I just want to give a quick shout out to Legacy Precious Metals and Charles because this guy was there from the very beginning. As soon as I started this show, you guys uh, have been quite a part of it. So we thank you for for that sponsorship and, and for believing in the Trish Regan show in the very beginning. But I just want to point out, you and I spoke, I don't know, back in November, again in late November, and we're, we're watching gold prices, and I mean, some of the same things are true now that were true then, but we're up, I don't know, 12% or so, 11% since back then, even with this recent pullback. What's your thought on that? Um, well, let me just say we're very proud to be a sponsor of you. you know, the opportunity came. It really made um, a very easy decision for us. We've been a big fan of you for a long, long time. So um, the pullback. Uh, you know what? Up 12% in a quarter, uh, even with a pretty significant pullback right now. It's not surprising. This is what we've been talking about for, for over a year and a half now. And, and it really comes down to um, a simple process of disbelief. We, we have a, a market out there, and I want to talk about the equity market for just a quick second, that wants you to believe they have an answer for a problem they won't admit exists. This is the issue. You have people coming out who know better, who, who know better, who know economics, and know that we will see significant corrections still, but their job is to put you in a position so they can make money. So when we talk about a pullback in metals, it is absolutely bound to what we see in the equities market. The up 12% is not a surprise to me. The fact that we're up much closer to 18% um, is significant for a quarter. And in that quarter, we've had a lot of amazing things happen. And one of them, um, just off the cuff, we, we have central banks uh, who, who started purchasing metals again. To the tune of the largest amount in 55 years, which is important, and I'll bring that up in a second. China was one of them, by the way. China was one, um, but 339 tons 339 tons of metal were, were purchased. You look at that and say, okay, I bang on central banks pretty frequently. Um, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> we got that in common. And, and we do it for the reasons that when we study economics and we look at numbers and we look at reality, we know their job isn't in sync with what's best for each individual. Okay, so they have a different job. So while I talk bad about them in some aspects, they're also not stupid. Let's be really clear about that. And just like, you know, when I talk about the Federal Reserve and the governor is on it and the chairman, uh, I don't always agree with their decisions. A lot of times I don't, but it doesn't mean that they're dumb. Okay, so there, there's, there's other things in the works there. But back to those central banks, they know they have to protect the viability of the country they work for. That's their job. So when they go out and buy the most metals in 55 years, it tells you there's a problem. And let's look at what 55 years ago was. It's right around the time the U.S. dollar left the gold standard. It's right around the time we became the petrodollar. It's right around the time we said we were going to now let inflation rampage the earth. So it's very significant to me, and it's very telling that we're back to where we were. And doing the things that we, me personally, have been talking about for 20 years, and you and I have been talking about for a year and a half. 
there's a bellwether out there. It's called precious metals. By having a portion of what you have, whether it's as a nation, whether it's as a company, whether it's as an individual, gives you the protection against exactly what we see now and going forward. You know, it, it's a very good point because a lot of times people say, oh, you know, gold. <laughs> Why do you have all this gold in your portfolio? I, I've gotten that actually myself from my own <laughs> investment advisors. And I'm like, hey, check that out. You know, aren't we glad we had that? But anyway, you know, and people have different amounts depending on where they are and what their risk tolerance is, et cetera. But I think it's very telling what you just said, that the central banks themselves all over the world want that gold. That says something. So even when people are like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's this, it's that, it's hard to argue with what countries right, are actually doing. So that's another reason I think people should, you know, feel confident in it. And, and something that, again, it's, you know, things go up, things go down. And I look at precious metals, gold for me in particular is something that I just hold long term um, because it's just one of those things that helps with the volatility in the portfolio. But why is it going down lately? Because we spoke in November, like by January, I was like, wow, you know, like this thing is up. It was some 18%. Now we're up like 12%, which is still, hey, awesome. But what do you think this ever so slight pullback is if all these central banks are buying? Oh, I, I think it's a twofold thing. I think you see, um, you know, again, if, if the central banks were my client, personally, I'd be saying, okay, let's get in. We got a great price. We know we have a run up coming. Maximize right now. And then wait a minute. Once all that hurrah around all that buying goes away, and once, again, here's another thing too, once the equities market decide to be back in business again because they take the holidays off, you're going to see some downward pressure. So we halt, and then when it pulls back, we buy what we wanted anyway, but we buy it on sale compared to where it was. And, and that's what I would suggest for my clients, right? If you don't have any gold, the price is kind of irrelevant. You need to get started. But if you have holdings, let's find the buying opportunities. And they will present itself. It's a market like any other market. It will go up and it will go down. So on yesterday's podcast, not to be too much of a doomsdayer, but it was relevant in terms of all the things that we're talking about. When you look at this $31 trillion worth of debt that we have, $8 trillion that was just added to it since March of 2020. And you think about the long-term trajectory and, um, well, not to be overdramatic, but I, I'm a student of history, especially economic history. I like looking through this economic lens. And I was looking at sort of the reasons for the fall of Rome. Again, I don't want to like scare anybody here. We're going to be careful. But you look at the fall of the Roman Empire and some of the things that happened included all this sort of overspending, um, military that was so vast, so big that they, they really couldn't keep up with it from a financial perspective. They had living off the dole, right? That, that expression comes from the Roman Empire days because everybody was, was taking a share of something. And they had so much inflation, so much inflation and so much debt that eventually it was just so crushing. I mean, and then there's sort of the cultural stuff and they had kind of a hedonistic lifestyle. We'll leave that aside. But when we look at purely the economics of what was going on, in, you know, and it's happened throughout history with a lot of societies that were once great, and it's the economy and it's inflation that often takes them down. I don't think we're heading there in the next you know, year or five years or hopefully even 10, but when you look at how a society, and, and one like ours that has thrived for so long, 
it seems to me that this should be a little bit of a reminder of our vulnerabilities and how we need to, at least, at least as an economy, make sure that we learn from history and we don't repeat mistakes. Of course, this folds into the gold theory as well. Right. Uh, and, and it's true. I, I think when we, we, we look at that, we, ha- we have to realize, you know, $8 trillion in two years. I will throw out the general... The general statement, Republicans like to cut back and Democrats like to spend. So that's just the guideline. It's not for everybody, but it's pretty accurate. Hey, JFK cut taxes. I'm going to give them that. That's why I said it's general. There are those exceptions, right? Right. Um, But, and not to scare anyone, that's in two years. We have two more years to go with this administration. And what we do know is the problems are going to become bigger, not lesser. So So the the answer answer has always been been to spend more more for this administration. administration. So they're they're going going to create more debt. debt. I don't know if we double where we were from 2020, but we're going to get close by the end of this administration. We're already 30% of where we were. I I think it's very reasonable to say that, you know, from the 2020 numbers, our debt by the end of his term is, you know, an additional 60% of that number. I think that's a fair statement. Because we have bigger problems happening now than we did in 2020, if you think about it. We have an inflation that will not go away. And we have a Fed that's going and making missteps along the way. You know, people would argue with me, and and, and I get this a lot. I get it. I'm not proven right for for years, but then I'm proven right eventually, and I'm willing to stand the test. You know, a quarter of a basis point wasn't enough. Right. If you have a sick person, you don't say they're starting to feel better. Let's cut down on the medicine. You go harder. That's how you fix that problem. But when you're weighing in a political debate as well and your boss is telling you, and yes, they're supposedly autonomous. They have bosses. They have bosses. Um, Even Volcker did. I mean, even Volcker went to Reagan and said, hey, listen, are you okay with this? Because. It could be some pain, right? We get to raise right. rates, and this is in the early 80s. But you're right. They have bosses. And, and the, the correct job would have been to go another 75 basis, uh, you know, 70, 75 points on that. That would have really begin the crushing blow to stop the spending. And here we see it. A small lapse, a small misjudgment, and we have inflation roaring back. Up half a point, right? doesn't yeah. seem like a lot, but for inflation, that's huge. I couldn't believe it. I was at the gym this morning, and I get, I get a little too into this stuff, right? You know, I, I can wonk out like you. I mean, this is why we like talking. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, because they all yeah. thought it was going to be like up 2.2%. It came in up 0.5, and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And it's because of exactly what we're talking about. I mean, you just can't print that much for that long and not have some kind of consequence. And not hold people responsible. There's a responsibility that must be borne, right? It would have been far better for our chairman to come out and say, you're going to hate this as a, as, as a people, but I'm raising the interest rates three quarters of a point instead of, of, of a quarter of a point because you're spending too much money. Since you won't be disciplined, I'll discipline you. Okay, so let's walk it through. I agree with you a thousand percent, but let me just tell you what the naysayers would say. Oh my gosh, it's going to send us into a massive recession. We can't do that right now. Would it be a massive recession or would it be, you know, 
kind of the band-aid that gets ripped off in your view? It will be a massive recession, but I'm going to say what other people won't say. We need one. Hmm. That's controversial. Just that's the truth of the matter. You cannot have continued economic success without pullback. Because what you wind up happening is remember what happened with the housing market in 2006. That wasn't because of the four years prior. That was because of bad policy for 12 years. That was because of if you have a job, you should get a home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't matter no if you had no income. No, I mean, it was even worse than that, right, Charles? Because it was, it was no it was. income, no asset. You didn't even need a job in some cases. The American dream, you deserve it. I know you're not working, but here's your home. But these are the things that when you live in that lifestyle, you have to expect the opposite to happen. Everything is cylindrical. So if the high is too high, the low is going to hurt. And by put, us putting it off, we're making it a longer recession than it needs to be. That's the problem. And this is why you hear the Fed speak higher for longer, because they won't do the job. It's surprising to me, and you know we don't need to pick on Powell too much, but I was encouraged when he first came to office. I thought that office, you know, when he came to the Fed, I was like, okay, here's a guy who has had some work in the private sector. Hopefully he's not going to be like these eggheads. He actually sounds like he can talk about inflation in ways that are very un-Greenspan-like or even, you know, Yellen-like. And so I'm like, this is progress. And then he, he, well, I mean, you know, the whole Trump thing and, you know, he was raising, which by the way, I actually thought was the right thing to do. I, I was not again, I, the economy was on fire, right? You had all these policies, you had tax cuts that were really helping things. So I understood why the Fed wanted to move rates higher at the time. I thought that made sense, even though the president didn't love it. Again, presidents don't like rates moving higher. But what struck me, again, was, okay, he's smart. COVID comes along, March 2020. He does exactly what he needs to do. All good. But at some point, like, it's the, what is it, the law of diminishing returns? When he just exactly. kept on printing and kept on, and then, then Biden comes out with the third stimulus check and the Fed is still there. And I'm like, and you and I talked about it at the time, Charles, you're like, this is a train wreck just waiting to happen. And no one got it. I, I think they did. I think there are those in, in, in the circle who did. They just didn't speak up. I, I think their job was probably on the line. Um, and not everyone has the fortitude to say, I'll suffer my job for what I believe. We just have to understand that. That's a reality in this world. Not everyone's Trish Regan who's willing to quit where she was and go on her own because she had principles. Um, but I do. You know, this is a reality. You have to understand that. And this is why we always say, look, take that news, evaluate it, and make decisions that are right for you. Just because the country goes in a certain way doesn't mean you have to follow. I'm not suggesting you break the law. I'm saying right, no, no, I got you. I got you. Financially, you you do what's right for you, and don't be confused. Yeah, and, and and be careful of some of the headlines. I always say this out there. Look, I've worked in financial news my whole career: Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox Business. I know how that works. And when you know, if it bleeds, it leads, kind of thing, right? Like if the market's tanking, the last thing you're you're doing is bringing on bulls. If the the market's you know bullish, you're not bringing on the bears. The media is not telling you the whole story. They're going with this overall trend and the overall flow. And 
what I've always tried to do is make sure we cut through that so people really know what's going on. Because you got to think about what is six months from now, not what's happening in the market today. Um, so if people want to buy gold, again, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we love having you here on the show. And if people want to get a free investing guide, I know you guys have it at LegacyPMInvestments.com. So they should go there, LegacyPMInvestments.com, or call one eight six five eight nine zero five six zero. You can talk to one of Charles' team members there at one eight six one eight six six five eight nine zero five six zero. But how how do people like do this really? I mean, do they do they get it delivered to their house and they put it in a, a safe somewhere? I know some people actually do that. I had a neighbor growing up who was really into that. <laughs> he had like lots of cans of um, you know beans and things and right, lots right. of water and and gold bars because a lot. Of, I mean, and I get it. A lot of people really are worried about that. And in two thousand eight, when I was at CNBC, I talked to so many people who were doing that. It, it was really amazing. So that exists. Some people put it in a safe deposit box, and then you can get a gold backed IRA. Absolutely. Okay. You know, if if you're buying um, and you don't want it in the house, we do offer um, vaulting services, something that we can accommodate to. So I, I think the important thing is to know that there's no one way to do it. Every scenario depends on the person, right? So, and here's what we've been hearing a lot. So I'm going to welcome you to do this. We've been getting a lot of phone calls that say, okay, I'm calling because I want to make sure I'm not crazy. And no, you're not crazy. Call and find out. If you think there's something wrong and you feel worried and you're not sure, call us. The one thing you're never going to get at Legacy is a hard sell. I, I look at my guys as um, more of teachers, more of guidance counselors. Here's what's available, what works for you. Let's talk about your scenario. So when you ask me how are people doing it, it depends on them. Some people are comfortable with it in their house. Some aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have people who live in, in larger cities and they say, I don't want this in, in the complex that I live in. So what do I do? So we're going we're gonna to find the thing that works best for you. And that's what we're going to do, whether it's through a combination of an IRA and then some physical gold and then maybe some stored for you or maybe some in your safety deposit box. Right, right. So there's ways to work out any scenario. The important thing to do, though, is, is to speak to someone who can show you what they are. That's the most important thing. The hardest step is saying, I may not know what to do. Talk with me. Let's figure this out together. That's the hardest step. But once you do that and the scenarios are open to you, then you can sit down and say, here's how it makes sense for me. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that you guys do have, you know, and you certainly, because I know you have going for you some patience. And I think when you're coming to this, and especially if you're really, really new to this, you need somebody that you can talk to that, that you, you lays it out all out, as you said. And, and, and that's important. I mean, I know even in sort of my own, my own financial life with my own personal financial advisor, who is tremendously patient because <laughs> I ask a lot of questions, but you need that, you need that. And, and the ability to talk to someone. And in this case, you guys are the specialist. She'll often, you know, send me to the specialist, but having somebody that can walk you through is, is so important. So, they should call one 589 You can learn more from Charles and his whole team there. I think um, there's so much going on right now, and these are crazy times. So it's, it's, worth, it's worth the diversification. It is, and it's also worth losing the fear. 
right? Yes. Get educated, yes. figure out what's right for you, and then you don't have to be afraid anymore. Thanks again to Charles. You can go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. I encourage you to give him a ring, one 589 As I always say, listen, trust yourself. Make sure you are the guide here. Know what you're getting into. Have good people around you because things go up, things go down, and you have to be very thoughtful about any investment you make. I, I can't say that enough. Um, speaking of investments, and we were just talking about gold, one of the things I, as of late, have gotten very, very into, and I joke about this with a bond suddenly getting sexy again. <laughs> Leave it to Joe. Leave it to Joe. I mean, you, you, nobody wanted to go near a bond. Why would you? Right? I mean, in, in, in some cases, like over in Germany, they were paying negative rates. Imagine. It's like, okay, I will let you, Germany, borrow my money for 30 years and you can pay me back less. <laughs> so we were not on a good trajectory worldwide, right? In terms of some of these fixed income in, in instruments in the U.S., forget about it. I mean, bonds were paying nothing, yielding nothing, yielding zip, zero, nada. Well, now, you know, I looked at the six-month treasury the other day and it was somewhere around 4.93%. Not bad. You get a two-year that's around 4.5% right now, and actually yields are going up today in part because finally Wall Street is realizing, hey, this inflation thing may be here to stay. I think it is. So there, the exciting thing is that there are lots of different ways that you can prepare, and depending on your time horizon, there's fortunately opportunities that hopefully are a little bit safer than we used to have in the equity market. I mean, maybe it won't make 22% in a year, but you also won't lose 22%. And I tend to like vehicles like that. Another one that I, I mentioned just to a friend this morning was the, the savings bond. The Treasury Department has these I you know, savings bonds, and they're not paying what they were last year. It was upwards of 9%, but they're paying upwards of 6%. And, and for certain people, that really works well. Because you can put up to $10,000 for each member of your family. And guess what? If your, your kids are going to use it for education, you can take that money out tax-free. So there's a lot of new ways to be thinking about investing right now, which is the, is the upside of this inflationary environment that we are now in. It's great to have you all here. I don't want to leave you without giving just a quick shout-out again to my little pup, you know, Fluffy. Is he here? I got him. I gotcha. Yeah. So uh, this, this little guy is Fluffy. And Fluffy has an important job because he's going to tell you, right? Are you going to tell us about Rough Greens? <laughs> he, uh, he takes a supplement every day called Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, Greens, Rough, you know, you get it. He doesn't bark much unless somebody comes to the door. <coughs> Whoa, what was that? <laughs> anyway, um, this is Fluffy. He is very, very fluffy, and he's gotten fluffier since he's been taking his Rough Greens, which is a supplement that goes right on his food every single day. It was developed by Dr. Dennis Black, naturopathic doctor, great guy, really just a tremendous background, former military, um, and, and who cares so much about health, his own health, our health, and also dog's health. He's got two big dogs, bigger than you, Fluff, but you know what? It doesn't matter the size of the dog because Rough Greens as a supplement works for every size dog, medium, medium, large, and small. <laughs> anyway, I encourage you to check it out because it's got all the things that you would want for your dog to keep your dog healthy. All those probiotics, the digestive enzymes, the vitamins, the minerals, 
all that stuff. It's right there. You just sprinkle it right on top of their food. I do it once a day for Fluffy. And you can get your own free Jumpstart trial bag of Rough Greens by going to roughruffgreens.com forward slash Trish. Yeah. How about that? We should say Fluffy, right? <laughs> it's roughgreens.com forward slash Trish. Sounds good, right? <laughs> I think he's, he's in. All right. Great to have you here, guys. Really, really good to have you here, as always. Um, I, I love hearing from all of you. Please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Get the word out. Share it. Share it. Like it. Give it five stars. All that good stuff. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.